Hey, what's going on? It's Coach Johnny B. Welcome back to the Performance Best Podcast. I am joined by Dr. Zach Long. Uh, today, we're going to talk about scaling versus modifying around injuries and pain uh, in your training. Um, but before we get to that, Zach, I, I want to know, what is your biggest gym pet peeve? What is the thing that people do in the gym that drives you absolutely nuts? I don't, I don't think that there's a thing that people do, but I don't like a dirty gym. Like, I don't want there to be dust and dog hair and stuff like that around. That probably just comes from like growing up with really bad allergies, like getting stopped up when I was around that stuff. So even now when my allergies aren't as bad, if I see that, it's just like an immediate turnoff of a gym. I was in a CrossFit gym yesterday, not the one that I regularly train at. Uh, and there's chalk like underneath every pull-up bar all over the place. And I know it's just because it was in the end of the day and they hadn't cleaned yet, but it was... uh uh, it got on my nerves and it kind of made me, it made me start thinking about what uh, is my biggest thing. And I realized it is when you go to a gym and they have, uh, plate racks that are, you know, set up 45s go here, 25, etc., And people still put the wrong ones in the wrong place. Like they're clearly labeled. All the plates are blue there and you stick the yellows oh. on. It drives me nuts. Cause it's just so lazy. I got a weird one that I'll add in that I just thought of. I don't understand how people can use different non-matching plates. Oh, like God. you got a rogue plate on one side of the bar and you have a get RX plate on the other side. I cannot do that. I refuse to. I will unrack every weight off the, the storage center to find the two matching plates. No way I'm lifting an unbalanced set. Two OCD for that. I, I fully agree. I also... I will intentionally do that sometimes just to see if I can perceive any difference side to side. And every time, like, I feel like I'm going to die, especially back squats. I'm so OCD on the side to side stuff. And it's not because I think it's a weight. It's just that I need things to be balanced and symmetrical. And if we look at two spring collars and one is super wide and one super narrow and old and used, I'm going (laughs) to go through the bucket and find two that match up. I don't care which of those it is, but like, they got to be pretty much the same amount of springiness. Does that apply to everything? Is that a different level? Uh, that that is yes. a different level, but that applies to everything <laughs> in your life. So like if you walk into a room and there's a couch with two coffee tables that are like flanking it and kind of centering it and one's a little out of position, does it drive you nuts? No, but I just, I like organization. Okay. Things like you can see the bookshelf behind me. Like those books aren't really organized in a unique fashion. Like the heights are all over the place, but like it's clean behind me and that's what I have to have. Okay. Fair. I, uh, I am heavily into like symmetry as well. That actually drives me nuts. Uh, I also, where you don't like describing colors, I get really down the rabbit hole of colors pairing well together and fonts and things like that. Um, if you want to like get me like going, you can show me some people's Instagram page where they have every post has a different font on their image or whatever. And it just, it makes me lose it. My wife hates it. I get on it rants about it so um another question are you a metcon guy or are you a noble guy or are you a nano guy for training i like nanos the best but the best running shoe i've ever tried is uh the noble runners really but i, I, I dude i got 20 pairs of shoes in my closet I'm, I'm a bit of a shoe freak so me too i've i don't like expensive shoes but i need a lot of shoes i don't wear the same shoe two days in a row wow or mismatched socks. How does anybody in the world wear mismatched socks? I don't know. That drives me crazy too. Like you, you walk in the gym and you got a pink and a yellow one. Come on. Like 
how hard is it to just yeah Ugh. all right uh are the noble runners really that good sorry that got me because i, love them. I my wife loves them and I'm just like, I'm a running shoe snob. Like I'm an ultra guy. And so like, I'm always like, Oh, they're nobles. They can't be good running shoes. So I found that ultras just always, I used to buy them a lot because they're very comfortable. I just feel like I broke them down super, super fast. I got to have them for two months and they were completely done. So I've had these nobles for a while now and they're still in great shape. And I'm not running like four days a week and I'm running twice a week and I'm, they're holding up okay. for me. I, uh, it's funny you said that about ultras. I actually, uh, the bottom of my ultra blew out running the 13 miles and a half Ironman last weekend. And uh, it really irritated me. Like I was to a point where I couldn't run, but like, yeah, they, that's a huge criticism. All right. I might have to try it the noble. All right. Onward and upward. Let's talk about scaling and modifying uh, around injuries. The thing I specifically want to address that I hear a lot of questions of, um, when is it, let's use shoulder pain as our example. Uh, I have shoulder pain. When is it time to stop going overhead altogether versus when is it time to just lower the load or maybe change the exercise selection? So I'm always going to lean more towards lowering the load or trying a different variation of it or, or adjusting the range of motion a little bit over anything else. Because we want to maintain when something is injured as much tissue fitness as possible. We don't want to just stop working out and lose all of the strength that we built. But we have to also respect that the tissues are mad and irritated and you know, might need some time to recover. So really for me, it comes down to like how intense is what you're feeling? You know, is it just discomfort? And in most cases, exercising with discomfort is fine. Um, is it lasting just during exercise or is it staying, are things staying aggravated for, for 24 hours? So let's say we're, you're dealing with like some, some shoulder tendinopathy. If we work out today and it's, you know, fairly low level discomfort that you feel during, fine, keep exercising. But if that then has you extra flared up over the next 24 hours, we probably overdid it. So like, let's say it's the shoulder still like raising up and grabbing your coffee mug in the morning. If that's a two out of 10 pain this morning, you work out today and tomorrow it's a four out of 10, then we probably overloaded it yesterday. So, so really it's looking at the volume, the range of motion you trained through, the weight you lifted and, and what was your response to that? Did it seriously bother you? Did it change your technique? Did it leave uh, increased soreness for an extended period of time? When that stuff happens, that's when we probably have to get a little bit more aggressive on what we're doing to try to work around the injury. So two, two split off questions there. First is, all right, so let's say it's a tendinopathy, right? Which is probably a common thing people go see their doctor for uh, because they don't really understand that they're not dying and that their shoulder is not going to fall off. Uh, but the doctor unless you go to a really great doctor, it's probably going to just tell you to stop lifting overhead or stop working. How do you know the difference? And this is really hard, but how do you know the difference between an issue that uh, where you should listen to the doctor potentially and maybe where you need to eschew the advice and go, you know what, I'm going to... I'm going to go listen to Dr. Zach and just use an empty barbell to do those push presses during Jack today. Ooh, that's... that's and I'm not advertising that people go against their doctor's orders. Yeah. That's I just kind of this experience that I've had often as a coach and as a therapist. I just uh, I'm going to skirt the question a little bit, but I'm going to say this: like I, I can't think of the last time I told somebody that they can't exercise an area in some way. I think there are far too many things we can do to change 
the exercise, the intensity, whatever, that we can still push your fitness forward without aggravating a tissue. So uh, I'd rather say let's, let's find variation. Let me skirt your question altogether and just say we can, we can do a better job of finding things that you can do and stay active and stay fit. Cause like I said earlier, like if you just stop working out altogether, not only the tissue that's aggravated becomes more detrained, but all the tissues around it. And then you get back to exercising and now those tissues have been weakened. And that, that weakness isn't just your performance. It's their ability to tolerate load and their resiliency against injury. So I want us to try to maintain as much fitness as possible. So I'd rather you, instead of, instead of avoiding the barbell overhead press altogether, let's see what happens when we go dumbbell overhead press, just a different variation. Barbell, you're kind of stuck in a almost fixed plane. You don't have much control over rotation. Dumbbell, you can put that arm wherever you want to go with the dumbbell. And let's see if going wide or narrow, does one of those have less pain than the other? Maybe it is just that it really hurts at the end. Well, let's not completely avoid all overhead. Let's do a landmine press where we have one end of a bar on the ground, the other end of the barbell is in our hand, and we're pressing up, but we don't hit that in range of motion. Far too many things we can do to maintain tissue fitness to just rest. So the idea of resting, right? I mean, that is something that I think, you know, my parents and my coaches growing up, you know, oh, your ankle hurts, just rest, just ice, just compress. Uh, does the system need the reduced time, we'll call it time and attention or loading to heal or can it heal through uh, the the process while you're still training? It can, it can heal through the process. We just have to respect the feedback that whatever injured tissue has is giving us. So if we have a, a, a irritated like patellar tendon, the, the tendon that's in the front of your knee, if that's irritated and you go squat twice a week and you're having six out of 10, eight out of 10 pain when you squat and every morning you wake up, your knee pain is a little bit worse. You're not listening to your body and you're kind of driving things down the wrong way. Instead, let's find variations that let you continue to exercise with a low level of pain that doesn't last a significant period of time. And that's not only going to help continue to, to keep fitness of those surrounding tissues up, but it'll help that tissue heal faster, I believe. So one thing that's really important about exercising is when we're dealing with a, an injury, we, we kind of have, I think there's two components. We have the mechanical damage, the actual damage that has happened to that tissue, if we're talking about an acute injury. And then we also have inflammation that happens as a result of that injury. So the mechanical stuff we have to respect, and that's by building those tissues back up over time, the inflammation, we can really help if we pump blood into that area. So if we just rest and we're not really forcing a lot of blood to flow in and out of that leg, I think we're potentially dragging stuff on more or causing more pain. Let's instead, let's get on the assault bike and hit some assault bike intervals, pump a ton of blood into the legs. You get done with that in the vast majority of the time after you work out, if it's at the right dosage, you're going to feel better. So let's, let's get the heart rate up and do things like that to, to encourage better movement long-term. How when we're talking about loading these tissues, like do you have any kind of shortcuts as a PT to give people guidelines around tolerance? Right. And I think the thing that I always like to remember that I learned from you is that, uh, as long as the, 
the loading isn't greater than the tissue's tolerance, you're not going to cause damage to it, right? So how do you find that sweet spot where the damaged tissue, you're not overloading and causing more damage? Yeah. So let's, let's say we're just talking muscle and tendon injuries here. We're not talking a joint injury. We're not talking like a, a stress fracture or something like that. That will just simplify our discussion. Because something like a stress fracture, like zero pain. If you have a stress fracture, you cannot do anything that creates pain. That's a completely different animal. If we're talking about a tendon or a muscle strain, I tend to use the silver nagel pain monitoring model. It's a pretty simple process here. Red light, yellow light, green light. Red light is you have pain greater than a five out of 10. That's a stop. Green light, zero to two. You have a little discomfort. You're, you're probably okay to continue exercising. Yellow light is, is kind of in between those two. And the yellow light, let's say you're having a three out of 10 pain, then it becomes monitor your 24-hour response. Like, Is walking down the stairs more painful today than it was yesterday? If so, you probably overloaded stuff a little bit. That's one way of doing it. Or to just say, look, is, is that an acceptable level of pain? Like, Do you think that you are flaring stuff up? Do you think that's going to make you feel worse for the next two or three days? If the answer to that is yes, then you're probably doing too much. If you're significantly changing your technique not because you're choosing to change it, but because your body's saying, no, we are not moving that way. That's your body saying, no, you don't need to be doing that exercise. So if you find yourself doing really funky stuff in your, in your technique, that's a, a pretty good sign that I'm stuck. All right. So now that was great. Again, I think for muscle tendon, kind of more soft tissue injuries, that's probably great. But what happens when it comes to a joint injury? What if somebody has a labral tear? Uh, for you guys that don't know what a labrum is out there, it's the little piece of cartilaginous tissue that keeps the glenerohumeral joint, we'll use the shoulder, uh, sucked into the body so it doesn't fly away. What if that thing's nicked and we have like the presence of instability? Like how how do you handle that one? Yeah, so shoulder instability to me, it's going to be, you know, a lot of times you use kind of that acceptable thing. Like what do you think of this pain? Is that acceptable? Like do you feel like you're making things worse with what you're doing? And if we stop and are honest with ourselves about that question, usually that's going to put us in the right door. If you're going to be stubborn and hardheaded about it, then the backup question is, are you flared up for more than like 12 hours? So if, if you're going to be stubborn and say, no, I don't think I'm making it worse. But then you look back and you worked out this morning and it's, it's nighttime, you're sitting down for dinner and your shoulder's still screaming at you. Then yeah, you overdid it. And you need to learn to kind of respect that a little bit more and go back to different modifications that we can do to, continue to try to push your fitness forward, get good workouts in while appreciating that tissues need time to heal sometimes. So labral tears heal incredibly slow, right? So what's the, you know, if somebody goes down that road, they've done bad chicken wing muscle ups for a long time, potentially create this problem. Uh, how long are they looking at dealing with that? Let's go first musculoskeletal or like tendon issues uh, and then joint. Like how long is that healing process probably going to take? So tendon issues, um, it's, it's all going to depend on the irritability of that. Like, like you'll have some tendon issues that when you just drop exercise dosage down a little bit and build up the tendon with the right things, that you can have a tendon issue that's gone in two weeks. You can have other tendon issues that require significant loading for, for up to a year. Like there's a research study that recently came out that said nobody should get a rotator cuff tendinopathy or rotator cuff surgery unless they've done rotator cuff strengthening consistently for a year. So it, it can take a long time. And the labor thing is a completely different discussion. Uh, I'll try to not go too far down the rabbit hole, but like there's research on labor tears that show that 70% of people with no pain have them. 
So I'm not as concerned about the labrum itself healing because it's one of multiple systems that provides stability to the shoulder. So we can work on the other things that provide stability to the shoulder and, and very frequently have incredibly good outcomes in people that have labrum tears that decide to not have surgery. They go see somebody that really understands these movements that we do in CrossFit and can kind of build them back up by strengthening the rotator cuff and doing stability work and working on the right progressions of exercises. And, uh, you know, for us working with CrossFit athletes, a lot of times that is for me, it's rotator cuff work, stability work and getting the lats super, super strong. So the lats tend to kind of protect the shoulder when it comes to so many of the gymnastics movements that we do in CrossFit. I'll interject there. If you're having issues, uh, don't take this as medical advice. You can do an online consult with Zach uh, if you want. That is medical advice. Uh, or go see somebody and we'll direct you to somebody that's probably the right person for you. Because there's a lot of people out there that are in uh, Zach's line of work and other doctors that don't understand what we do as CrossFitters and will immediately just tell you to quit CrossFit. And that is not the answer. Um, fitness is the most important thing that you can do for yourself. Uh, and somebody telling you to stop doing that um, is basically asking you to die younger probably. So uh, don't, don't listen to them and seek a different opinion. Um, all right. So let's get into, is there a point with this stuff where uh, there's a scale, right? Like I want to maintain, or I guess talking about scaling, I want to maintain the intensity of the workout. Is that possible to do while we're working through some of these like painful conditions or do we kind of just need to accept, Hey, I might get my intensity from something else. Let's say I'm going to do a salt bike sprints uh, for that stimulus rather than being able to hit Fran today, just because my shoulder hurts. Yeah. So anytime I'm modifying somebody's training, the goal is to keep that, as absolutely close to the intended stimulus of that workout as possible. So let's say like you're not tolerating back squats right now. Well, what's the, what's the different ways that we can modify that? We could drop the weight down a little bit and stay specific to that movement pattern, or we could change to a different variation. Like let's say front squats don't bother you. Well, let's just go from back squats to front squats. We're still getting a squatting stimulus. It's a slightly different stimulus, but maybe we can keep the intensity higher with that. Um, at times we have to go really crazy far down a, a scaling rabbit hole. Like maybe we can't load your leg at all right now. Like maybe you had a, a knee surgery a week ago and we can't squat at all on your right leg. So the workout shows up and it's back squats and you're showing up at the gym. What am I probably going to have that person do? Like single leg squats to a box that are loaded up. Like that's at least load up the opposite leg as aggressively as we can and maintain fitness there. Um, yeah, so there's a, a lot of options, but really the goal should always be how do you stay as close to what the workout is as possible and make as little modifications as you need to, but as much as you have to. For the coaches out there where uh, you have the person walk up to you at the whiteboard right after you brief the workout and they're going to go, my low back hurts, it's deadlift day, I don't want to deadlift. You don't have the level of education. Uh, how do you make an informed scaling modification decision other than getting more education like uh is should we punt and just go bench press a day or uh how do you advise somebody in that situation yeah that's that's rough uh, to do it on the fly when somebody shows up like a minute before class it's even rough when people do it to me when i'm coaching uh, having this knowledge so that's going to come down to a really quick conversation with them i'm like how much is this really bothering you can we change it from a deadlift to like a a romanian deadlift we're still working the hip hinge pattern just not going all the way to the floor, not as heavy of a weight. Is this really irritating you? Then 
maybe we say, you know, can we build the specific muscle groups up? We talked uh, last episode about hypertrophy. So maybe we're looking at the deadlift as a back, glute, hamstring, a little bit of quad exercise. So maybe we do GHD hip extensions that are loaded. Maybe they tolerate that. That would at least be specific to the muscle groups that we would be training that day. Um, then maybe there are times from either your time perspective as a coach or their irritability perspective where you just have to just completely go different. All right. Today was supposed to be a strength day. I guess it's an upper body strength day for you. You're going bench press or we're saying, you know, we can't, uh, you can't deadlift heavy. So we're at least going to get in some, some high intensity intervals on the assault bike. Like I want you to sprint all out for 10 seconds, rest for 50 seconds. And we're going to do that for, for 20 minutes. That kind of sucks. I hate assault bike. That sucks. Yeah. That, I don't want to do that. I don't, I, I don't deadlift through the pain. I won't say anything again, coach Zach. Uh, if that's the workout you're going to give me. Uh, that's awesome. I think there's a lot in what we just said. And I think, um, that if you go back and maybe listen to this again, uh, that you'll find things in there. But the big things for me are, um, you know, don't stop moving. That's number one. Don't be afraid to, to do the movement pattern, but explore other variations, uh, that allow you to work through it. Um, and, and potentially keep the tissue strength up as your, the injury or sorry, the healing process is happening. Um, and then uh, the red light, green light, yellow light model for kind of uh, judging if something is too painful um, and then being respectful of that and then modifying away from it as needed. Um, any other thoughts on this as far as uh, modifying around pain in CrossFit or fitness goes? No, just find the middle ground where we tend to go as CrossFitters is, is to the extremes here of hammering through it or completely stepping away and just realize that even if you're, you're going at 75%, but staying consistent at 75%, that's significantly better than being at either one of those extremes. Yeah. Um, how much does food play into the healing process? I'll leave people with that food and sleep. Yeah. Significant. Yeah. So, so food and sleep are two lifestyle factors that I'm, I'm talking with about every athlete that I work with from a pain perspective. If you're not, fueling yourself or giving your body enough time to recover. You're really opening the door for injuries to happen or injuries to stay around for longer than they need to. Yeah. I think from a, a coaching standpoint, a therapist standpoint, I see that more often than not that people, you know, I, I think biceps tendonitis is for, or, uh, biceps tendinopathy. It's probably the most common thing that I've seen lately where people have the issue, but then their diet and their sleep is garbage and it just lasts forever because they're not actually going through the cycles of healing um, that they need to. So do always be respectful of that stuff, guys. It, don't neglect the importance of that in recovery from injuries. So very cool, Zach. Uh, that was a great episode. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for uh, helping us out with this stuff. Um, if you guys have any uh any questions about this stuff, you can DM Zach at the Barbell Physio. Uh, follow the Barbell Physio page and the Performance Plus Program page on Instagram. Uh, there's a ton of great information on there about all this stuff. Zach's written a million articles, 250 plus articles in his life. They don't talk about colors of clothes, but they will tell you uh, how how to kind of judge this stuff. So if you missed anything in there, you can pick it up. Got any questions? Those are great resources as well. Uh, any other things that you want to direct people to checking out if they're thinking about modifying or scaling uh, a workout around pain? Uh, there's there are articles on the barbellphysio.com that talk about all the different ways that, that I try to get after modifying 
when people are injured that should give you more tools and tactics to think through if you're in this situation yourself. Awesome. Well, cool. Thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, Make sure you uh, comment, review, share, all that stuff. It helps us out. 